Are you a straight hustler? Are you? This is Boss a.k.a. El Marbo, and that means the pretty one. You are listening to Straight Hustler Podcast. Hello, thank you for listening to the Straight Hustling Podcast. We got an MMA legend today. We have Boss Rootin calling in. Really no Wapos in the house. The beautiful one. Ready to talk to him, man. It's insane to get him on here and talk about his career and his new uh, invention he has, the O2 Trainer. He's got a website, www.o2trainer.com. It helps you breathe. Money Mike, you ready to talk to him? Uh, maybe. What about you, Stu? Hey, I'm all about it. Let's go. Yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. We'll uh, find out what what's new with them and talk about some of the old fighters back in the day, some of the new fighters, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Stand by. Hello, boss. Yes. Hey, this is uh, Dick Darren with uh, Straight Hustling Podcast. How you doing? Great, man. I want to thank you for coming on here and talking to us, man. Uh, so I have a, a buddy of mine here. I got uh, Mike and also Stu. They're they're also on the phone with us. Right. And, That's uh, good. Man, so cool, man. Boss Root and MMA legend, three time king of pancreas, open weight champion, UFC heavyweight champion, Hollywood superstar. How you been doing? Well, uh, Hollywood superstar, don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was fortunate to do a few of the good things. But, uh, you know, right now, we, we just got a lot on the horizon in that, uh, in that aspect. Uh, more talk too, though. It's going to come out in April. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Cool. We'll be looking for that. Man, how's California right now? It's great. I just actually walked outside, and I'm sitting here outside in my backyard, and it's uh, beautiful. Blue skies. Awesome. And, uh, you know, that that's California for you, man. Yeah, you got a birthday coming up, man? You got big plans for that? You know, I don't think so. I Maybe maybe, maybe a party later, because the same week of the 28th, you know, the Whiteman fight with itself now. Oh, yeah. But probably, uh, but still, I want to go to that show. Uh, and uh, so maybe we'll, we'll do it later. We, we celebrate it in uh, with peace and quiet. Oh, okay. Yeah, let us know. We're looking for the invite soon. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just kind of talk to you a little bit about your uh, past. Um, you know, like I said, you're, I've been watching MMA for as long as I can remember. Man, it's huge talking to you. You're one of my one of my idols. And when did you get interested in fighting? How did that come about? And can you kind of tell us how that went? It, it started a long. Uh, when I was 12, I, I was a very sick kid. I had almost skin disease and I had really bad asthma. And um, so I was bullied a lot because I had skin diseases in my face and my hands and my arms and everywhere. So, you know, kids, of course, they think it's contagious and they stay away from you. And then the bullies, of course, they take you as a target. And, um, and then when I was 12, we went to a friend and I sneaked into a movie theater there watching uh, Enter the Dragon from Bruce Lee. And that was it. You know, I never saw anything like it. I go, like, oh, my man, if I'm, if I'm like this guy, then uh, nobody will mess with me anymore, you know? So that, that's what kind of kick-started and everything. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Bruce Lee got a lot of people into martial arts and wanting to fight. Yeah, especially my age. Coleman, all these guys, all these guys who are my age, you know, they, I, I know, 80, 90% probably say Bruce Lee. It's like all the people when you, uh, and right now, also guys from, um, guys and girls from this age, that I am maybe like five years younger. That's why Fighter Jet, they always say it's because of the movie Top Gun. Apparently that movie also inspired a lot of people to 
become a jet fighter pilot. So oh, yeah. movies are doing great work. Yeah. Now all the young fighters coming up are saying you inspired them, right? Well, you know, I have, I do have some. Yeah, I, uh, I do have some fighters who, who say that. You know, the, it, it, it's sweet. You know, sweet as sour because it means uh, sweet is like, oh, you're a great inspiration. Sour is like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting really old now. <laughs> oh no, you still got it, man. You look like you're still in awesome shape, man. I feel good. I feel great. You know, I'm still rehabbing my right arm though from the my neck surgery, and um, but I, but I feel good. I, I'm training every day, not too much, like 45 minutes an hour. Swim in the ocean a lot, the crazy exercises in the water, underwater. Uh, really enjoyed that. So oh, yeah, cool. no, no, I feel great. I I, I don't feel almost. Sick. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're training for a fight. I wish. <laughs> if, I, if I had new knee and my right arm would be good, you know, I, I could still be fighting, I'm telling you. Because I'm, uh, I still feel, feel good. My last fight, I felt great. Oh, yeah. You know, I, uh, but, uh, just the injuries were stacking up the last six, seven weeks before that fight. But, uh, for the rest, I was feeling my stamina. I mean, I didn't train for three and a half years, and I had literally nine or ten weeks to prepare for that fight. I, I couldn't do the warm up the first class. Oh, and, yeah. uh, I, I would be tired. But within two weeks, Three weeks, I was turning with all the fighters full blast. It was the craziest thing ever. So uh, I felt, I felt really good. Too bad the injuries came back. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah, you've had a, you've had a lot of fights, man. You know, a lot of different things. So I can see you getting injured every now and then. What about um? Yeah. Can, what about like? Yeah, do you have like one of your most fights that you remember the most that like really stuck with you and kind of was that one that you always go back to and think about? Um. Well, my first fight, of course, in Japan, that was I put the guy in the hospital right away. Uh, <laughs> I can get a power strike. That was pretty gnarly because then people started stopping me on the street the next day and bowing to me on the street. It was, it was so surreal, you know. It was like, wow. Uh, at the event, people were cheering for me. I just beat a Japanese guy from their country, <laughs> you know, and, and they were actually rooting for me. And I go, well, if that happens in Holland, you know, if a Japanese guy goes in and he beats a Dutch guy, I hope he makes it out safe. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So sure, that, that, that stayed with me. And then, of course, my rematch against Funaki. Funaki was the first guy who beat me in Japan. And it was a little bit of like, yeah, fiction. You know, and then before the, in the rematch, they gave me his, the last fight of my contract, they gave me uh, Funaki again because they thought he was going to beat me again. But now I knew the ground game. Now, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't know anything in the beginning. And um, and I and he comes in front of me, stands in front of me while I'm in the corner. And I don't know why he did that. And he slits his throat, you know, with his thumb while looking at me. <laughs> and it made me so angry. And I uh, look at my manager. And uh, because I didn't have a coach, in my, I, I played myself. So I was at my manager in the corner. I go, I'm going to kill this guy now. And he goes, no, you got to stay calm. Stay calm. I said, well, I'll stay calm. <laughs> when I see an opening, he's going to go. You watch. <laughs> You know, and that's, uh, and that's what happened. You know, he's, uh, I really brought it to him, knocked him out. Uh, it, it was really good. For me, it was a really good fight, you know, and everybody else said, well, Funaki was a great fight as well, because I let him down yeah. four times, and every time he gets back up, the whole audience shouts his name, you know, Funaki. Oh, so he gets back up again. I go, man, my palms were blue, black and blue, and my knees, you know, were bruised from the kneeing him in the face and hitting him. It was crazy. I watched a lot of the, uh, you know, I watched a lot of the Pride, and I remember they had a lot of uh, Japanese and different Asian fighters. And I, there wasn't too many that I was that into. But man, them, them guys were tough. Boy, they would take a beat, and you could barely ever take one out. And fights, I remember, that would go the longest whenever they had some guy like that. It was just a brawl. Well, they're, they're known for that. They, um, I think for a fighter, for a Japanese person, to choose 
something out of the oh, one second. Their lives and it, it is nothing to do. It, it, it's not super exciting. You know, it's like really you go to school. I heard from those from from the kids and from 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 all these people and the fighters that is actually the best time of your life. Mm. Yeah, as soon as you get out of school, you start working, and you do that for the rest of your life. You work five six days a week. Uh, you get two weeks of holiday, I believe, uh, a year. But you're you're considered rude if you take those whole two weeks. So a lot of them they only take like five or six days here, and five days there, or three days there, and that's it. You know, so it's from that moment on working. So all these Japanese people who are in that same movement, so to say, when they have another Japanese person that jumps out of there and says, I don't want to do this, I want to be a musician, or I want to be whatever, you know, a, a fighter. You know, those people really cheer for that. And I think to be that person who jumps out of that, I think you already need a very strong head on your shoulders. Oh, yeah. And uh, and that's why you see those guys being so tough. You know, for them, it's their lives, they... They literally rather die, yeah. you know, than to lose the fight or give up. And, uh, you know, that, that that's never been with me. I have a family. They always say, oh, I'll fight. Uh, I'd rather die in the cage. Not me, dude. <laughs> I have a family. You know, if there's a way that I can die, I'll pack. You know, it's uh, I'm not that guy. If it's on the street, you know, also, you never want to yeah, do it. If you have right. to do something, you do something. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in it for the sport. That culture in Japan, it seems like a little different. It seems like, like you were saying, uh, they really, uh, uh, when you got foreign fighters that come over there, they really treat them well and they really cheer for them. And I know there's a lot of them that go back and forth. I think, like I saw recently, I think uh, Bob Sapp is he still there? One of them. No, he retired actually. We, yeah. we announced it like uh, five, six weeks ago, I think. Uh, he decided to retire, but he had one moment. He, that was a courageous thing because I trained him for the Miracle Fight. Well, what you can't call him because he uh, he was more on TV and more. Uh, uh, doing press for the fight that training. And I yeah. told him, I said, this, this guy's going to kill you. You know, why don't you say stop to all the promotion and you tell him I want to train. You know, you need to be prepared. The guy looking at the poke up, you know, if he's going to connect with the kid, it's going to be bad for you. But uh, he wouldn't listen, you know. And uh, so from like eight days, I trained him maybe three and a half times. That was it. But when we would go to a restaurant, there was literally people stack outside the restaurant and it became a group, group, group. And it became so big that we had to go at the back. They would let us out in the back so we could escape the whole uh, crowd there. It was the wildest thing. That's you couldn't walk anywhere. Awesome. And, you know, it's not like this guy, uh, you don't see him, you know. <laughs> He's like 6'4", 385 <laughs> pounds. So there's no hiding for this guy. <laughs> he was exciting to watch, but, boy, it was like after about 30 seconds, 45 seconds in, he was sucking we in. That's the thing, but you know what? Not in the beginning. I don't, I don't know if you saw the very first fight that was the Di- Dynamite Show. That was 91,500 people. It was a combination between the K1 and, and Pride. Yeah. And it was outside in the Coliseum. And people, I mean, I, re- I remember Takata flying in on a parachute. It was a crazy thing, you know? And, um, and, and he fought Noguera there. And mm-hmm. that was a really good fight. But that was at the time that he was training. I think once he became really big, he really liked also the show, the the show business part yeah, of it. Movies, you know, yeah. he started making songs and he starts doing all these interviews. And I think that training became secondary, yeah. and uh, yeah. and being in the spotlight became the number one priority. You know, and, and you can't do that against other professional fighters <laughs> who really want to hurt you, who, who want to beat you because they're dead men. Yeah, right. <clears throat> do you have a favorite fighter that was one of your opponents that you always look forward to? Maybe it had a lot of hype. I know you mentioned some of the ones that you. That you fought, like some of the memorable ones. But what about just the hype itself? 
had a lot of meat? No. We, we, you know, Frank and I, we had a few fun fights. Uh, that was always fun. Um, you know, I, the thing is, you know, you would all hang out. Uh, only like when I would go to Japan and I would, uh, let's say, fight uh, Guy Metzger. Then before the show, I probably wouldn't hang out with him. But yeah. after the show, it doesn't matter if we're losing, winning or losing, everybody will go out together, you know, or it, it will be party time. So there was not that real, you know, we never had animosity between fighters. There was always a good fight between the fighters. And, you know, just, yeah, if you have to fight each other, okay, let's go see each other for a couple of days, do our business, and then, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we'll be back to being friends. So I, I think that comes more when, like, our guys from the outside come in. You know, we'll really... You know, who, who think they can uh, beat everybody in Vegas, and, and, and they start talking in the press, and then once they come in, you know, then you want to say, okay, you know, let's see if I can shut this guy up. Yeah. You know, then then it's the fun. So I had a little uh, with with Jason the Lucia was always I always said there was a little weird thing going on. I don't know. And it was uh, he, he's a good guy. It was just he had a hard way of expressing himself or something. I don't know. Well, he's not a bad guy. We know you got a history with Ken Shamrock, and uh, he's going to be our next next guest. Uh, is there anything you'd like to tell him? No, I always I mean, he heard that uh, fifty times from me. You know, I I I thank Frank uh, Ken because uh, that's the reason I became the fighter that I am today. You know, I, I lost most of against Ken, and uh, and that really got me angry because I'm I'm a sore loser first of all, but I had nobody to train with and all. I had a few guys in Amsterdam, but if I would go to Amsterdam to train, there were a few guys. From the ten or something, six would suddenly not train anymore because they didn't. You know, there was this weird thing going on. And then uh, after the last loss, I I knew I needed to work on my ground, and uh, I started getting very vocal everywhere I went. I I asked if they want to train me, they want to train me, and I I got this one guy, Leon Van Dyke, who was 19 years old at the time, and he was an athlete. He was very strong. He was crazy strong. He did 125 kilo. Uh, bicep girls. I mean, dude, that's 270 pounds. It's a hard amount of weight. You know, I, I put that guy in an arm bar, he could literally curl out. So I had to make it perfect in, in order, you know, go all the way to the wrist and cook, make everything perfect. But you know, he picked up really fast and we started training two or three times a day. And that was it. It transformed me within three months. I never lost a fight anymore after that. You know, oh, it yeah. made me, uh, suddenly my next eight fights, I won by submission. Seven I won by submission, and the other one was against Frank, actually, was submission control, you know? So uh, I suddenly flipped it. And that was all because of that last loss against Ken. So, uh, and Ken and I has all, always been, we never had any words. You know, we uh, we were always friends also in Pancras, the same as with all the guys. Yeah. I I, I can't remember somebody in Pancras that I, I didn't like. Yeah. Ken's a beast. We're going to talk to him about his uh, bare knuckles fight that he has. When is it going to be? It's going to be soon now, eh? Yeah, it's supposed to be this year. Um, I think I'm, I want to say like around around April. This guy, man, he's so crazy. This guy, <laughs> only wants to fight. He's going to still fight if he's sixty years old. You watch. He's a monster, man. Man, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you know, and you got to respect that. You got to respect. Oh God, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to fight. Winning anymore? Well, he's still doing it, man. He's still living the life. Yeah, yeah, man. I definitely, uh, definitely would never bet against him. That's for sure. Do you get to go visit Holland? A lot now. No. No, 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 I can't. You know, I have the family here, and, um, you know, we, we, we'll go there. Like, I, I've been, uh, I go to Holland, I'll be five days, and I stay with, with my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting up there in age right now. And then I don't even tell Yeah, I have a daughter there, so she knows, and I hang out with her. And then with my parents, I'll see my brother and, and his kids, his family. And, and, and that's about it for the rest. I pretty much don't tell anybody that I'm there because it was tough pulling. And then I can't see the family, you know. Yeah, and then yeah. when I go, go back again. So because I got Fridays, I got inside MMA. 
you know, so I have to leave on a Saturday, and I need to be back then on a Thursday, preferably. You don't want to take a risk coming in on Friday and have a flight canceled or something, because then I have another it's an MMA show. So uh, I, I try to, you know, my parents are going to come here now this summer. Awesome. So I'll, I'll see them here, and then my daughter will probably also, at the end of the year, will come also here for a week or two. You know, so that's how I, I try to do that. There will be something going on, you know, and, and like a huge seminar or something, then, then maybe I travel over there and, and do that. But uh, I try to stay away from it. I got the World Series of Fighting now on NBCSN, and then I got Inside MMA every week. I'm, and, and, and the World Series of Fighting is every month. So I'm pretty busy. Yeah, man. So I said we're going to change your name to Hollywood, man. You're all over the place. Oh, yeah. Hey, you think it's fun. You know, that's why I came to America. I want, I want to see if I can do something in TV or in the movie space. Hey, you think CM Punk will uh, need your CO2 trainer? I hope so. <laughs> you know, he sh- I, I should send him one because he's going to need it for sure. Let me tell you. I always say in, um, in, uh, in fighting, well, in any sport, any sport where you have to use stamina, okay? Not, not playing darts or pool. <laughs> in any sport where you need stamina, you can never have enough stamina. You'll never, that's, that's the golden rule. You know, I always say if there's two guys, two, two, two fighters or two teams, it doesn't matter. And they're equally matched. They're, they're both technically the same. The team or the person with the most stamina is probably mm. the one who's going to win the fight. Yeah. You know, who can keep pushing, keep pushing. That's why I came up with that, uh, Otis Rain. I, I, uh, it was when I was a kid, but my asthma, it literally, I haven't used my inhaler for like almost two years right now. Absolutely zero. And you have to understand that in my, in my peak of my career, when I was uh, fighting for world titles, I still had to use my inhaler in the dressing room before the fight. So I never got rid of asthma until I invented the Otis Rain and started working out with it, and it's totally gone right now. I don't even have the inhaler with me anymore, which is, for me, it's an amazing thing because, you know, if you're somewhere and you sneeze three times uh, really hard, then your lung close. That's that's what happens with asthma patients. And then it's going to take a long time till that lung is go, uh, will open again, unless you, of course, have an uh, inhaler. So for me to step away from that inhaler, which has been with me for 48 years, <laughs> you know, that's always a big thing to do, but it's gone. Yeah, you know, awesome. I can jump in the ocean now every day when I swim, and I can right away go full power, and I don't have asthma on my lungs are close. It's, yeah. uh, it's an amazing thing. We got on your website, uh, www.o2trainer.com. I was checking that out. And, and uh, man, how do you invent that thing? What led you to that direction to be able to invent something like that that would work out so well? You know what? And, it's, and this is all real. This is a real story. I, I, after my, I had asthma attacks for a week or 10 days, and I will be a week in bed, not able to eat or drink. It was very hard for me because I couldn't breathe. I was really <laughs> 24 hours a day being asthma. You know, you couldn't do anything. Couldn't walk. You know, be in bed, be everything, you know, with fans and all that stuff. So, but then when I would resume my track and field after when I had an uh, attack, because I did track and field, then um, then I would break my running times all the time. And I, I always got in my head, I go, why can I, why do I break those running times every time I, when I had an attack? And then I came at the doctor's office and I saw a poster, a drawing, actually, of a pair of lungs. And um, I, I always thought the lung infection is in the lungs. You know, itself, but it's not. It's the lung pipe, the bronchiole is infected, and it's very hard for the lungs to pull air through because there's an infection there. And that, that's when I got the idea. I go, oh, I see now. You know, the whole week, my lungs have to pull air through that infected hole, and then when the infection is gone, my lungs are much stronger now because they've been working really, really hard for a week, you know, and then when the infection is gone, it's much easier for them to breathe. So why don't I come up with something? where I can control the air intake with. Oh, yeah. And that was it. 
and 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 I start experimenting with stupid things like coins with holes in my mouth. It's very dangerous, you know, because you die if you swallow it. And then over the years, I told all my friends, all my friends, everybody kind of knew. We call it the Routenizer. That was that was the official name, the Routenizer. Oh. And then uh, when Anderson, not Anderson, Vanderlei Silva was on the ultimate fighter. He was training these people with snorkels. And that was the night that my telephone went crazy. I had like six or six, seven buddies called me. And they said, dude, that routinizer thing, you got to make it, man. I mean, look at uh, Anderson Silva, for Vanderlei Silva, they, they're training with uh, snorkels. And yours is a way better, uh, a way better invention. So then uh, I started making it, make a prototype, got a patent. And, and now we're here. Now we're selling cool. it. Awesome. Hey, just for people that do you like... Uh that don't do much strenuous exercise and workouts and kind of just do lighter things. Does that also help them too? If you had asthma and you were kind of doing light exercise and using that at the same time? You know, this is, this is a great thing. I'll, I actually don't do it when I'm training right now because I'm swimming a lot. And it's a, you know, in water, yeah, you, you can't use it. But what I do do is when I jump in the car in the morning and I drive to the ocean, it's about a 20 minute drive and 15 minutes of that, I do breathing exercises with the auto trainer. I do, uh, I put it like a smaller screen. It's a very simple concept. It's like if I breathe in, one side of the auto trainer closes, and it w- which will force you to breathe into the other side. And the other side comes with a hole of 15 millimeter. And it comes with 14 different caps. Now every cap, uh, the 15 millimeter becomes 14, and then 13, 12, 11. So it's a very simple concept. You, you start working out with it, and uh, uh, you put a smaller cap on it, like a millimeter smaller. And once you feel your workouts become normal again, you go one millimeter smaller again. Or you jump all the way right away to cap 11 or 12, and that's for the breathing exercise that I tell people. You know, you can literally watch TV or whatever you want to do. I do it in a car, which I, of course, will don't want to, I shouldn't say on air. <laughs> I don't think it's a smart thing to do for people, so please do not do that, you know. Do you get funny that's looks driving I, on the road? <laughs> that's it, and I, I breathe in with all the power I get. And then exhale completely, which is takes a while, exhaling completely, and then breathe in again. In England right now, they made a machine. They, they invented a machine like two years ago, which is after I came up with the other trainer. And that machine is, is, um, insured by, uh, or you, you can get from the insurance. Every asthma patient can get it for free in the UK, and it works exactly the same as me. Them is really more complicated, and you can't work out with it because yeah. it's a bigger machine. You can't run with it. You know, it's a big thing to hold in your mouth. But it all, only controls the air intake, the same what I have. And uh, and I think that was the key to success. Oh, there's other trading devices out there like that. They control the air in and out, and but they don't have the results that I have. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. You need to get that over there in England. Maybe yeah, well, smaller. you know, that's that's going to be hard because that's already whatever they call yeah. it, the FDA here. I don't know what's called there, but. You know, they probably approved it already. And, but, but you know, uh, it, it's good to know that my vision yeah. was a good vision yeah, and right. that it, it really works. And my asthma is gone. My friend who sells it in Holland for me, in Europe, he had asthma. And within 10 days, when I gave him one, he called me and he says, I want to be the distributor because my asthma is gone. And that was literally 10 days. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I want to check that out. I've, I've had some asthma when I was younger. I have to check that out and see how it works. Is there important, any- guys. Oxygen is the most important thing in the body. <laughs> then it's water, and then it's food. Oh, I thought it was tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was vodka myself. <laughs> is there anybody out there right now that's fighting that you real feel like, you know, it's an exciting fighter that any time they fight, you want to make sure you catch it? I'm sure you watch them all anyway, but... Yeah, no, yeah. You know, there's a lot of them. I like Aldo, of course, you know. And, yeah. of course, I'm McGregor also. But yeah. I, I enjoy guys like Pettis. 
Oh, yeah. You know, and I kind of see myself or him and me. I don't know why, but because he was he started out as a striker as well. Yeah. And then became good on the ground. So, this kid can knock you out or he can submit you. And that's why I, I'm always, you know, writing about my, uh, say, uh, about my record. You know, if you look at my record, there's 28 uh, finishes. Uh, no, from the 28, there's 25 finishes. There's only three decisions. And then I have like 12 knockouts and 13 submissions. Mm. You know, so it's a mixture. It's a, it's a good mixture. I think as a mixed martial artist, you should be able to, you know, take advantage of whatever the, your opponent is going to give to you. If they make a mistake, you should capitalize on that. Whether it's yep. not a go-to move, not like, oh, this guy always does guillotines, or he always does armbars, or always black box. You know, if you have a plethora, as El Wapo would say it, of moves, then uh, that's, of course, always better. You are able to get the submissions, because everybody was trying to look out for that liver shot you were going to hit him with and kill him with. So but that probably helped you out a little bit, because they knew if that thing came, it was over with. You know, it's the it's the the thing. That's why I need to get better on the ground. You know, because they uh, they knew they they want to keep standing. <laughs> yeah, they better go. I to mean, ground. when I fought Maurice Smith, he took me down. Yeah. You know, and Maurice came in as like a nine-time world champion or so at kickboxing. You know, so uh, th- that was just the thing in the, in Pankhurst, and because they beat me in the beginning, they beat me in the beginning with the submissions. They thought that they could still do it, mm-hmm. but it, after the, that's again Ken. You know, I credit Ken with all that. He he made me. Changed it in a total animal. Uh, I became a different <laughs> fighter. Are you going to train CM Punk to do that liver shot? You know what? I I told him, uh, and we had him on our show, and I, I uh, and he said, "Yeah, I saw your tweet. You know, you can always, because I invited him. So if you can, you can always come to me." But I think he he uh, picked the, the right gym. You know, Rufus Rufus Sports. Uh, I, I like Duke. He's a great striking oh, yeah. coach. We he got does great uh, work with all these guys there. And, uh, and it's only for him also like an 80 minute drive, he said, instead of going all the way to California, he said. But I, I truly believe that it's, uh, for him the best option. That's cool. We got, uh, Rick Rufus gonna be coming on too soon, so we're excited about that too. I've always been a big, uh, Duke and a uh, Rick Rufus fan, man. Oh man, tell, tell, awesome. tell him I said hi. It's yeah. been a while that I saw, uh, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I saw one in, uh, in Japan, I saw a bunch of times. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, uh, I also want to ask, like, so right now you're you're so busy. Do you still have time to get in the gym and train anybody? And like, you know, like you're always offering to help people, like the CM Punk and everything. Do you really have time to? And are you doing that now, training some of the younger guys and things like that? You know, sometimes I go and I help my friends. You know, they call me and they say, "Hey, man, can you do Monday morning at ten o'clock? Can you come by and see if I'm uh, what I'm working on? If that's actually good for my fight? Because I know they have a fight coming on. Uh, and then, um, you know, yeah, then I, I go to the gym and I, I help them out. You know, normally we did a Sunday morning's fight class, but it's it's just hard for me when I come back from the weekends. You know, so most of the time I come back on Sunday, so the class I missed that already. So it, it's hard for me to get in, in that group. I teach two times a week though, and sometimes even the the oh, guys wow. who compete they come to my class. My class are the basic classes, basics. I do have everything on basics. Everything's coming back, rotating upper body, feet, where your feet are, how you walk, how you move, open close, open close. Everything is. Basic, basics, basics, you know? And I tell them all the time, I say, guys, I know sometimes this might get boring, but it's not, it's not boring. Because I, I even when I train myself, you know, uh, like I have the boss with the workout, which is an audio workout. I don't know if you ever heard about it. Well, everybody does. Like, for shot training, or drone training, or everybody trains on it for a long time only. And, uh, and that workout, I do myself, because it's my voice instructing you, giving you real fast combinations, bunch of kicking combinations, with drills in between. It's a really cool workout. And if I work out, I cannot, I don't want to hit the bag anymore with all my neck surgery, so I hit the air, I kick it back, I do that, mm-hmm. there's no problem. But the only thing that I'm doing constantly when I'm in the mirror looking is watching my own technique. And I tell my students, I say, guys, I've been doing it for a long time now. 
You know, but the only thing that I'm doing constantly when I'm in the mirror, it, I'm not watching myself. I watch where my feet are, how I punch. If I rotate my upper body enough, you know, I, I, I constantly check myself. And I think it's a very important thing for a fighter because sometimes I say fighters, they, you know, champions already, or like top 10 guys who come in and they interview and they say, hey, man, I would love to you to work, help me out. And then when I start teaching them, you know, they make major mistakes. And I said, man, you're doing this wrong and this wrong. You know, and then once you change it, they could suddenly go like, oh, my God, that's so much more power. I said, well, you, you, just, you just don't check it anymore. you got to keep checking every day. The thing is also do like a workout and videotape yourself, I tell them. You know, because once you see yourself on video, you trust me, you'll pick every mistake yeah. out right away. Because everybody's their worst critic. You know, and I think uh, more people should do that. That's what I used to do also. Just video, put a video on, and then train it. And then later I would say, oh, this is wrong. I shouldn't do this anymore. That's wrong. You know, and it helps. Well, man, thank you for taking all this time. I'm sorry. we got Man, I could talk to you all day. I got so many questions. So if you still got a few more times, I've still got some questions I want to keep going. I know Mike has a couple things he wants to ask you, but... I also wanted to find out real quick about Kimbo. I know you're a big part of his training and got him really on the right track. How was that training him and getting him kind of when he was thrust in the spotlight there? It, it was great. I always had uh, those times I, I, I miss, like with the Kimbo group, you know, yeah. like Mike is manager, Mike Kimber, and then his buddies. Uh, dude, we had so much fun. Like when Kimbo came in also, he was injury-free. You know, so he started getting started, but surely he started getting some injuries, knee problems, all that stuff. But in the beginning, when he was injury-free, uh, he was picking up fast, man. You know, because training is fun when you don't have injuries. You know, and yeah. I, I, I felt for him because once the injuries start coming, you know, you don't yeah. really want to train anymore because you <laughs> want to work around those injuries. But uh, I had a blast. He picked up so fast. The people we fought, you know, the way we talked about it. Um, oh my god, the first, uh, who was the, the first boxer he fought? Uh, I forget his name real fast now. He fought Tim Sylvia, he knocked Tim yeah, Sylvia out. Yeah. Uh, almost in it. Uh, Mercer. Oh, yeah, yeah Ray Mercer. Yeah, Mercer. So he, he's still in the dressing room, he goes, yeah, well, boss, he's a great boxer. I said, Kibble, it's a, it's a cage fight, dude. It's not a boxing match. <laughs> I said, what you do, you cross your arms in front of your face, you know, the, the fight, the, the, the referee says fight, you caught the arms in front of your face, and you just bull rush the guy. <laughs> Put him up against the fence, start kneeing him, you know, get him in a choke, just beat him up. Yeah. And he goes, okay, so when you see the fight, he crosses his arms and goes the way forward, pushes him up against the fence. You know, and that's it. That's, you know, you can be a boxer, but you need really good footwork. Like a guy like a Mayweather or a Pacquiao, that's going to be a different thing. Oh, yeah. But a heavyweight boxer who was not at the super top of his game anymore, you know, <laughs> That footwork is not that, it's not an Ali. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's not So once you lift. start pushing a guy backwards like that and put him up against the fence and clinch with him, well, you just took all his power away. You know, the punch is, well, you gotta watch out for uppercuts, you know, but if you, certain, uh, certain body positions, they cannot throw uppercuts if you do that. And of course, we worked on those. And that worked perfect. You know, and then yeah. the whole fight with James Thompson, you know, that oh, was yeah. a very yeah. close fight, but he did a few backdoor escapes there that we worked on the day before, or the, the weeks before. And uh, and I was raving about that. I go, man, he, he did those crazy escapes that we worked on. And for that, people don't realize, MMA you don't learn in a year. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And they didn't give him any strike. He fought in one year. He fought in like four or five fights. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Well, <laughs> I saw another thing about you that, uh, man, you were like known for a lot of legendary bar fights. On, uh, I saw that online. Uh, we got a guy here in, in our uh, 
room here that's known for a bunch of bar fights here in Nashville. So you guys got something in common. You know, it's uh, it's most of the time it's people doing things to their wives or other people or weaker people. I have exactly. a just my bullying times. You know, if I see something and I see a guy hitting a girl or a guy hitting a, a, a smaller guy or three guys against one guy, mm-hmm. I'm always the guy who goes right away. Yep. You know, I'm the guy who there's no way something can stop me, and it doesn't matter who they are. I'm going, oh yeah, so like two uh, bikers. I don't care. <laughs> I just go and I say, guys. Is this really necessary? And I always talk to them. Oh yeah. I just I said just just see for you guys. You're a tough group of guys. How this is going to look for all the people who are watching now? It looks like three tough guys who think they're tough and need all three guys to beat up one guy. I say, why is there no one against one? Mm-hmm. You know. And then you see them look and they 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 start thinking and they know it's true. Well, how's you know, it going to look when one guy one. whips all three of them? <laughs> Yeah, but if you better. But if you if you're like a gang, you know, like a gang initiation, sometimes they have to hit a guy. Like my neighbor, for instance. My neighbor had something with an Asian gang. Apparently, he didn't even see it. So he goes to a restaurant. He's a big guy, and they hit him from the back with a left pipe in the head, and he still has problems now with that. You know. And then I go like, wow, is that is that's a gang initiation? That's like the, that's the most shitty gang ever that's uh, <laughs> you're such an afraid guys like if I will be the leader of the gang and I want to have want to have an initiation like that I would say okay I want you to pick out the biggest guy you tap him on the back he faces you and he says you and I are going to fight right now I say and then you beat him up and if you do that then you know still I would never say that of course because <laughs> I'm not into that stuff but then I say you're a tough guy but with two or three guys hitting a guy yeah, uh, who's right. taking a pee <laughs> with a left bite against the back of his head, you're all the loser for me. Yeah, and I don't right. know how they can go home and look in the mirror and actually think they're cool. You know, imagine you do that. Mm. What a loser you need to be. That's you're right. so afraid to hit the guy on the door with three guys. Oh, yeah, okay, and let's get a left bite. And if he doesn't look, we're going to hit him in the back of the head, you know. You're a total loser for me, man. You know, all these guys, they're all the fighters, and I do this and I do that. Oh, okay, <laughs> that good. Come fight for real, dude. Make money. Right. You know, you yeah. can make a lot of money with your profession. I don't know but how that. I uh, see them all coming in. I don't know how that bar fight happens. Them. You got like so much charisma once you come up and they're talking, and if they even recognize you at all, they know they're going to get their <laughs> ass kicked. So I don't even know how that fight even happens at all. <laughs> I know, I know, they never fight, but it's it's because the way you present yourself. I will explain to them if I feel a little pressure coming. I will explain what my profession is. Most of the time, I will ask them first about their profession. You know, whatever you're a lawyer. Oh, that's, that's, okay, that's, that, then I'll start laughing. You know, and then if they say, oh, I work construction, I go, okay, now all the times that you're hammering nails or whatever you're doing, screws, I'm beating other people up who are also professional fighters. And we do that two times a day. All that time you spend on that, I spend on beating people up. There's no way you can beat me. There's no way. You know? And then they start realizing, oh, okay, we we picked the other wrong guy. Didn't take long. Yeah, I picked the wrong guy. Then I do only, trust me, I do only with the the guys who deserve it. I'm not uh, no, I'm sure. not one of the most of the time talking calmly. It's enough. Everybody you know, knows. See that if you walk straight up, then then it's okay. Yeah, everybody you knows. Don't need to threaten. Everybody knows you're a nice <laughs> guy, man. Up. People all look up to you. They all talk. Everybody says good things about you. All the other fighters. So yeah, I mean. Hey, we got one thing that we always try to do called the hustling round. We try to ask like uh, some real quick questions, and then you kind of answer as quick as you can with any whatever pops in your head. You, you down for that? Yeah, of course. All right, all right. Let's get started here. Patriots or Seahawks? Ah, uh, Seahawks. All right, all right. 
Nick Diaz or Anderson Silva? Anderson. Okay. Offense or defense? Yeah, that's a hard one because I lure people in and I uh, I counter and I I love that. But offense on the street, offense. Okay. All right. What about uh music to listen to while you're working out? Oh, it's either uh, Rage Against the Machine or Trance, like crazy music. Yeah. Cool. What about acting or commentating? Oh, you know, that's a hard one. That, now you tear me apart. I, I like both. I, I like acting so much because I used to do this comedy things in Holland already. And the commentating is just like, I still cannot believe that they actually pay me money for, to do that. <laughs> because I love it. I got the best seats in the house. I got two extra screens to watch on, you know, and then just talk about the sport I love so much. It's, it's a great thing. Like, I always say, inside of a maze, and, uh, and I mean this, I've never had a show, and we did over 360 shows now, uh, I never had a, a day that I said, ah, I wish I could stay home today. I never had that. You know, like last week we did have a show and I miss it. I really want to mm. go and do it. I love this show. That's exciting. What about favorite submission? You know, also, that's, uh, it's a hard one. It's, uh, if you look at my, uh, submission victories, and, 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 and you gotta keep in mind also, in Bankless, you have the rope escapes. Mm. Yeah. So that, you know, and, and people go like, ah, oh, but that's not real. Well, uh, yeah. If you just make sure you don't never have to use a rope escape, you're going to be good. But it means also that you can win four fights in one night. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. take the guy down, you get him in a choke, you got yeah. a rope, you got to be standing back on your feet, and you got to fight again. Man. So when you look at my 14 submission victories in real, in real, and that's like 35 submissions I did, you know, and I did everything. You look inverted, you look knee bar, arm bar. More figure fours, I did triangle chokes. You name it, I I, I think it is toe holds. I mean, I, I think I pulled every submission up. I think your favorite submission should be the one that your opponent gives you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer, right? You got that right. Oh man, oh, and, and that's crazy how they used to do that back in the day. All them fights in one night. And... Yeah, but you know, it's like I said, and, and we in, in Pancras, you had so many guys. Look at Maurice Smith, Frank Shamrock, mm-hmm. Guy Metzger, Takahashi, all these guys, uh, Ken Shamrock. You know, they all became uh, UFC champions. Yeah, you know, Takahashi yeah. didn't, but he, he won in the UFC. But for, for the rest of everybody did, and myself then as well. Yeah. So there was one organization in Japan that people said, oh, but these rules are a little weird and everything. Still, they all became UFC champions. You know, so I think they did something good there. And, and the thing, what it was, is that you, you know, with, and I know, all these rules, they were made for the Japanese guys, which were really good ground fighters, you know, so let's give them uh, shoes. And shin guards, so the kicks are going to be less effective. And shoes, that's going to be great for leg locks, which, by the way, is their specialty. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. no gloves, but open hand strikes to the face. Well, that takes a lot of striking away from the regular guy already. I just was yeah. always hitting like that as a bouncer, so I knew how to hit like that. But it's better for them also for heel wheelchair, for rear naked chokes, because they were not wearing gloves. Yeah. You know, so, and then you get the rope escape effect, and on an eight count, I kind of love that, you know, mm-hmm. because now you can drop somebody three times in a fight. Like Funaki fight. I yeah. dropped him four times, you know, and that otherwise in a fight that would have been over right away from the first time. Sure. So now I have way more ring time <laughs> and way more experience than the other guys. So I, I kind of love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I wanted to close my fits also. Don't, oh, don't, don't think of it. When I was gone there within three months, they changed the rules and it became total MMA rules. I, I couldn't believe what they were doing. It's pretty cool looking back and watching that with an open palm strike. So that's, that's pretty interesting watching that. Yeah, it, 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 it asks for a different technique. You know, you used to, and, and still now, I teach my, my students all the time. I take, teach them clothesline, you know, and, <laughs> and, but, but it, it, not, not like in the WWE, yeah, yeah. but, but if, if I do a clothesline on the back, 
you're going to freak out. Oh, you're, yeah. That's that's almost as hard as Mike uh, as a full kick. You know, it is so much power you can generate. They can, I can, anybody can put their defense up as high as they want and as strong as they want. If I close line him, I'll go straight through a knockabout. Mm. So I don't have no clue why people not using it yet. Yeah, man. You watch. One guy starts using it, everybody starts doing it. Yeah, that'd be cool to get that in there. What about your favorite food? Oh, that's a hard one to it. Yeah, I, I, I like anything, but I really like Thai food and uh, sushi. Oh, okay. Those good, are good. my two favorite. But you know, a good Bronzino from an uh, Italian place. I love to. And great pizza. Good oh, pizza. I like it. Oh, I love pizza. Rogan or Goldberg? They're two different guys. Well, Rogan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, uh, this, this is a good thing to explain to people at home also. Is, um, Goldberg doesn't need to know anything about fighting. That's not his job. Right. Yep. He's a play-by-play guy. Yep. He's the guy who needs to know the stats. And, and watch him. Listen to him. You will always say, oh, he fought six fights, had so many submissions. He beat this guy down. He beat this guy down. That's his job. Yep. You know, he talks about stats. And the caller guy is the guy who talks about the fight. That's the guy. Now, it would help, for instance, like a Kenny Rice or a Mauro Ronello, you know, they really started looking also into the fighting. And sometimes when I'm calling with them, they like a Kenny or a Mauro would go, is she fishing for an armbar? And I go, good. Yeah. You know, so it's really great if a play-by-play guy can do it. Mm-hmm. But officially, it's not his job. Yeah, right. Well, they feed <laughs> off each other, Will. What about... um? Yeah. Your favorite podcast broadcasting out of Nashville? You guys. That is uh, by by far. You guys. (laughs) Hey man, I just got to tell you, man, it's like it's like a dream come true talking to you, man. I mean, I've I've watched growing up watching the fights. This is just this is incredible to be able to get you on the phone and talk about the history and stuff. And and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but man, it's, it's awesome. It's been an honor. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And, and anytime uh, we can get you on here again, you got something else coming out. We'll uh, we'll uh, put a little link on our site about the O2 trainer, kind of get some people going that way. And uh, man, that would be nice. It's a blessing for you talking to us. Thank you very much. All right, sounds good. Are you a hustler? And are you straight? Well, on this podcast, it actually doesn't matter if you're straight or not. This is boss who's telling you, listen to Straight Hustler podcast. Man, that was another great show brought to you by StraightHustling.com. MMA legend, Boss Rudin. We got a lot more guests coming up. Mike, tell me about the guests we got coming up. Oh, yeah. We've got one of the most feared bare knuckle balls of all time. We got the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. We got the king of conservative talk radio, Phil Valentine. We also have Comedy Central and Showtime comedian Ali Sadiq coming on. And believe it or not, we've got uh, frequent Fox News guest, uh, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. If you have any questions for our upcoming guests, leave it in our comment section on our website. With our website information, here's Stu. Okay, but it's straighthustling.com. We spell it S-T-R-8-H-U-S-T-L-I-N.com. Hey, when y'all come on and check us out, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. We have all our social media links out there. Hit us up. Uh, be sure to hit that comment section. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Our email's blown up, so comments, and uh, we'll get it questions you want to ask. All right. This is Dick Darren. We're out. Thanks for listening. Peace.